Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast, Super Bowl Week edition of the Pewter Report Podcast, energized by our friends over at Celsius. I am John Ledyard, as you know from pewterreport.com. With me today is a very special guest today. We do move into the Bucks offseason. We do not stop celebrating the Super Bowl. We will talk about the parade a little bit, especially as it relates to today's topic, which is cap space for 2021. Free agents for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, many big names, if they can bring them all back and who else they could possibly restructure to make that happen. But I am no math whiz. I have my limitations in this area. So I have brought with me today someone who is definitely a cap expert and can give us a lot of insight on a lot of these moves. Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus is with us today. Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I got to say, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that sometimes I'm kind of the wet blanket guest of podcast because I basically get invited on and say, no, you actually can't afford this guy you really like. Sorry. So to do it the day after to do it the day after the parade, I got to give you, you know, credit. It's, it's you know, it's really put me in a tough spot. But fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, things are looking pretty good for Tampa Bay these days. I was going to say, I think that it won't be that bad because you're right. Things are looking Pretty good for Tampa Bay, obviously, on the field with the Super Bowl championship, but even in terms of the future. So we will dive in a lot of that stuff. There's a lot to get to. I kind of have done enough research to know like some of the basics and logistics of what's going on, but I, I definitely am looking forward to really anticipating you being able to share some of those details with us and some of the details of the cap and how they're going to manage all of that stuff. But first, we've got to give a shout out to our, our title sponsor, Celsius. Uh, who, of course, has sponsored all the content that you see on today's show as well. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. Today, I'm enjoying a little peach vibe. It felt like the right thing to do. It feels like a celebratory. It's the sparkling white peach limited edition Celsius. Felt like the right thing to do on the day of the Bucks parade following the Super Bowl. Best thing about Celsius, there's no sugar in it. It's an energy drink that's not bad for you. It, it tastes and has the pop of soda and the flavor of soda without the sugar, without the bloated feeling, and obviously without a lot of the bad stuff for you that soda has. So can't recommend Celsius enough. I am I am a self-described water drinker who does not drink energy drinks, coffee, uh, even, I mean, if really anything, like definitely not soda, none of that. And I have really fallen in love with Celsius. And so that's the best testimony that I can give to Celsius and what they have. And they have tons of flavors too. You can go to pewterreport.com, click on the banner ads there, and you'll be able to order your own Celsius. You can also go to Amazon and order Celsius, or you can look for them in stores around your area. Go to Celsius.com. You can find a store locator, and it's a good way to get yourself some Celsius, get yourself amped up to uh, finish uh, this podcast with Brad and I as we dive into, oh man, a, a crazy offseason for the Bucs as they try to keep everybody together. If you've watched any of the parade today, you know that the Bucs are desperately are serious about keeping the nucleus together. The big free agents, most of you know this, Chris Godwin, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Rob Gronkowski, and then there are other names too, Antonio Brown, and Dominican Sue, Leonard Fournette, 
Uh, I don't know if I'm forgetting any. Rakeem Nunes Rochas, I think, is one. He played some this season. And so I think I'm remembering everybody essential off the top of my head. So apologies to some of the guys that don't matter as much that I'm probably forgetting. Oh, Ryan Suckup as well, the kicker. Um, so lots to consider there. Brad, if we can, let's start with Chris Godwin because it might be the easiest one to knock out. Well, first of all, let's start with the salary cap, actually. Salary cap is projecting to be, would you say, is it is it cool to guess like 180 million? Is that a good range to guess for the cap? Yep, that, that's a safe number to work off of now. We, we heard a range from Schefter of 180 to 181. Um, so at overthecap.com, everything on that page is using an $180.5 million number. Um, so you know, if you, if you work off of that, that's what you're looking at. Okay, great. Okay, so let's operate off of that number, 180 and a half uh, salary cap. We'll pretend for our purposes today that's kind of where the bucks are at with the cap. As it projects right now for 2021, for this offseason, what is the what are the bucks working with in terms of cap space, Brad? Give me the lowdown. Yeah, so the bucks uh, are in the top 10 in, ca- in projected cap space. It's about 28 and a half million um, if you use that 180 and a half million number. And, and I should say it's possible it comes in higher. There is some optimism. You know, most of that optimism is from agents. So take that with a grain of salt. But there's some optimism that maybe it'll come in a little bit higher, which would be great for, you know, the bucks and everyone else. Um, but even even with that number, they, they have some flexibility. 28 and a half may not sound super high, but like I said, it's it's in the top 10 compared to the rest of the league. And it's about 130 million ahead of the or 100 million ahead of the Saints now. So <laughs> Bucks fans like the sound of that for sure. You're winning them over already, Brad. So, OK, as it applies to Chris Godwin here, one 1000 yard season four years. Uh, but a lot of that's been st- he's been very productive in two of those other years as well, despite not hitting a thousand yards. I only mentioned the production because I know it impacts things on the price tag. Also important things to consider this offseason. There are a lot of wide receivers in the free agent market. Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Robinson are just a couple of the top receivers that are going to be on the market. I know those things affect it too. We've coming off two great drafts at the wide receiver position. We're going into another great draft at the wide receiver position. How much do those things impact, Brad, the, the market that will be available for Chris Godwin if he were to just say, okay, I'm going to hit free agency. Let's see what happens. The Bucs didn't tag him. I know all this is unlikely, but how is that to how is that uh, projected to impact the market for somebody like Chris Godwin this offseason? Yeah, so it's hugely impactful, you know, addressing the free agent aspect first. If you're the, you know, hypothetically only big name on the market, and of those guys you mentioned, I think Allen Robinson, Will Fuller, um, and Kenny Galladay are, are almost foregone conclusion franchise tag players. I mean, I think Godwin is as well, but hypothetically, if he isn't, like that, that would boost that market. Um, but a lesson I learned also that I had to kind of incorporate into my work a bit um, a couple of years ago was the draft does matter. Um, not the full draft, but like I, I look at the top 50 and the top 100. And if there's a lot of players at those positions and, and every team feels they can probably land a guy in the first three rounds at that at that position, then they will kind of be willing to pay a little bit less because they know that they can turn to a guy in the draft instead. Right. Yeah, it's interesting to think about it that way, but you're right. I mean, that is something that teams have to consider. The Bucks obviously have this great wide receiver. They're already paying Mike Evans. Antonio Brown, he'll be a free agent. We'll get to him in a second. But his price tag will be obviously be lower than Chris Godwin's because of his age and his off the field stuff and just relative uncertainty with him. 
Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, they drafted in the fifth round. They've called him like a baby Godwin. So they've prepared themselves in case things were to not maybe work out long-term with him. But at the same time, there's no question. I mean, Chris Godwin is the Larry Fitzgerald role in Bruce Arians offense. That is not a player you let really go anywhere. Um, you know, you want to keep that guy around. He's in his prime. When he's healthy, he's been a dominant receiver uh, across the league even. Um, so you want to keep a guy like that around. You only can allocate so many resources to certain things, however. So looking at, at Chris Godwin and what would you expect right now to be realistic offers from the Bucks for Chris Godwin? And do you think that it's possible that other teams out there would would be like, oh, I can give you way more than that? No, not whether Godwin would be interested, just whether it's possible you think other teams could really make the Bucks hurt in this in this capacity. Yeah, so you know his market's a bit interesting. He obviously had a couple nagging injuries this year, but in a way that almost might work in his favor because he, he by all accounts, like battled through a lot of stuff. And and Bruce Arians and his position coach, whose name you probably know, but I can't think off the top of my head. Yeah, but, Kevin Garber. Yeah, right. Basically, like raved about how tough he was and how he was like you know other guys would have missed more time if you know potentially. So you know it kind of works both ways there. I, I think he's a guy who's looking at like a twenty million per year deal at this point. Um. You know, the, the wide receiver market got exploded last offseason with um, obviously DeAndre Hopkins. But the big one for me that I think applies most to Godwin was Keenan Allen pulling kind of the he's not a slot receiver. He can also play outside as Ken Godwin, but they're playing around 40, 50 percent of snaps in the slot. That's where they operate. And he pulled that up to twenty point oh two five million on a per year basis. Wow. He's I want to say 28 or 29 years old, had a torn ACL. So, you know, way worse than a, a broken finger, stuff like that. And he was able to top 20 million on a per year basis with strong guarantees. So for me, that it jumps off the page. Like Chris Goblin's what, 24 years old, um, yeah. you know, been relatively healthy. Again, nothing that's going to linger or that you're mm -hmm. worried is going to carry over to another season um, and ha has been highly productive when he's been out there. So, yeah, mm -hmm. from the Bucks, I think they, they, they maybe offer five years, 100 million. Um, I do think if he hits the market, another team would push that and maybe go to five years, 110 million, something like that. But as we've alluded to, ultimately, um, and the value is about $16 million, uh, for a franchise tag, and that is what I expect to happen here. You, so you think it's going to be the tag for Godwin? I do. just makes the most sense, but given the Bucks have some other receivers, they have the ability to bring to pay him a little bit less this season than $20 million, and so and they might need that space that the tag is going to make some, some sense here. Yeah, and, and unfortunately for the players, you know, an unfortunate consequence of this drop salary cap is the franchise tag numbers are calculated using – you know, it's a whole complicated thing, but you look at the top uh, contracts at the position, but then also you multiply it again, complicated, but basically the, the, the lower salary cap dropped that number. So it's going to be a lower franchise tag number than it was last year for wide receivers. So, um, you know, AJ Greens was around 18 million. I think it was 17.8 million. And it's projecting right now with that number we've used the 180 million um, to be just under 16 million. So that kind of works in their favor as well. If you're Godwin, how bothered are you by the fact that that seems like a likely outcome? Like the tag's going to be lower than it normally would be. You know, you've already worked through some injuries. You, you know, I, I'm not saying he's going to like hold out or anything like that. I, that's really not his style. And I know he wants to be back in Tampa Bay, but you know, 20 million is is over. You know, over five year over five years. You know, with a lot of that probably guaranteed, that hundred mil that you're suggesting is probably a lot more appealing to him. Even even if another team were going to go 110 mil, like that, he might not sweat. But you know, not being able to get 20 mil from the box as opposed to you know for over five years is seems like it's a significant difference in his would be a significant difference in his mind. 
So, I, you know, obviously no player enjoys getting franchise tagged. I don't think that goes without saying. But a couple things were kind of working against that. So, you know, first and foremost, you know, we've seen Mike Evans come out. And again, every player is different and, and has their own contract negotiation. And it shouldn't, yeah. fans shouldn't think that influences it and shouldn't, you know, basically say, well, Mike's offering to take less, so Chris should too. That's not how, that's not what I'm advocating. But right. there's, some, there's some of that in play. And then also, not only the reduced salary cap, but hypothetically, he comes back for 2021. He stays healthy for a full 16-game schedule. Maybe Antonio Brown's not around, and who knows? And he has a 2019 season again. And then he could hit the market and, and make you know 24, 25 million dollars a year if the cap jumps to you know 210 million. If yeah. a bunch of other guys get paid in the process, so it also kind of works in his favor as well with the raise in the cap and him having a down year for himself. Mm-hmm. If he could bounce back, and if the cap bounces back, then it could you know it could work out long term. Yeah, if he had like a 1,400-yard season, you know, something like that again, like you could, I mean, stayed healthy, you could definitely be talking about a guy that would push to be, I don't know, highest-paid receiver in the league might sound a little bit crazy, but, I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility, right, Brad, with a 1,400-yard season, you know, an 8 No, not touchdowns. at all, not at all, and yeah. he's young, and yeah, right. and you can put him all over. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. Not, it's not crazy to say at all. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it happens. When, you, when you're a really right. good player, you hit the market. Um, at you, the right you, time, you know. It might right. last a year or a couple days even. <laughs> you're the highest-paid guy. Right. We know how the market goes. Okay, so we're franchise tagging Chris Godwin. It's about $16 million. I'm not great at math, but that would leave about $12 million in cap space. How the heck do you bring back Shaq Barrett too, right? 19 and a half sacks to two years ago, eight sacks this past season, but four sacks in the playoffs kind of bumped his price tag probably back up with the playoffs. Premium position, obviously 28 years old. So there's age still on his side. You're going to get probably three good years out of him. So you feel good guaranteeing across probably three years, maybe four years, um, some money. Uh, what do you do with it? Well, let's say that Chris Godwin's tagged as you assume will happen. And I think we all assume is going to happen. Um, if they don't work out a long-term deal, it seems more likely he gets tagged. What happens with Shaq Barrett then at this point? How do you construct a contract to be able to bring this guy back? Because they've been adamant he's not going anywhere. Yeah, so this is where it gets interesting. You know, I don't know if Bucks fans know this, but the Bucks are basically the only franchise in the NFL that, if they can, they avoid giving signing bonuses by any means necessary. So mm. whereas a lot of other teams try to prorate a lot of money, which is you know basically you can push it down the line up to five years. Um, you know, on any sort of signing bonus or option bonus, whereas a roster bonus or a salary is all going to hit in that one year. So they're going to have to go against the grain of doing what they normally do. Um, I mean, again, if you give, let's say Barrett gets a four year, you know, 18 million per year deal, something like that. I agree with you. You're probably hoping to get three years out of it. I think the guarantees probably wouldn't go past that third year, maybe not even past the second. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd have to, you know, give a lot of that in a prorated bonus and basically backload it so that, the first year cap hit is is a near minimum salary with you know a, a big chunk of signing bonus you know spread out over, over the remainder and you could probably get the first year cap hit to be like seven million dollars. I know that sounds way lower than you know eighteen million per year, but that is what other teams you know the Saints and other teams have have done to be able to fit under the cap and you know in in the short term. Yeah, it's a good point because I mean you don't know what's going to happen with Brady's contract even after this season, and so there's cap space being freed up if he were to take less or you know or or not be back for whatever. If he decides to retire, they win again, and he decides to retire, then you've got cap space opened up, so you can be a little bit more flexible. So anyway, there's there are things down the road that you definitely have to consider. You're right about that, and we will get to possible restructures with other players too. The tag for Barrett, not really an option. I'm just kind of throwing this out here as a, to kind of put it on the table, but the tag for Barrett, they tagged him this past year. 
it's probably very unlikely, right? They it would get tagged again, you know. Yeah, the is, second tag is 120% of that first one, so it's right. going to be for him. I think it's like 19 it would be like 19.4 million dollars, so probably not a realistic option. Okay, right. Yeah, that's what I figured. I was pretty positive of that uh, that I understood it correctly and glad to hear that that's the case. So we're looking at a contract for Shaq Barrett or free agency for Shaq Barrett. It's probably one of those one of those two at this point. Now, his is there like a squabble over his position, right? Because he's technically he's an outside linebacker, but he's an edge defender and, and you know, and he's going to want to get paid. I know there was a tag difference. I'm not sure the tag difference is even that significant for this year's projected tags, but is there a, is there a, is that playing his contract discussion at all? So it actually, it's a decent difference. So he was tagged as a linebacker, which includes right. off-ball linebackers. And it's one of the sillier things the NFL does. We, we kind of complain about every year. But his was about $15.8 million for this past season. Um, and the, the defensive end tag was like $17.8 million. So almost a full $2 million more uh, was what like a guy like Matthew – or no. And so what, what happens is – here's the example. So Matthew Judon also got tagged at the linebacker tag. He argued that he was a defensive end. And the Ravens and him agreed to split the two numbers in the middle and basically just take the average of the two and pay him, you know, 16.8 right in the middle of it. Um, that happens a lot. It happened with Javion Clowney as well. Mm -hmm. Barrett, I mean, the thing is working kind of, I guess, in, in the Bucks' favor. I mean, the guy's a former undrafted free agent that bounced around practice squads. Like he, he, you know, he signed a what, a one-year $4 million deal with the Bucks before this, this tag this season. So you assume if you get him, you know, it's, it'll be his first substantial multi-year contract of his career and maybe his right. only one. So that that probably does work in their favor a bit. Yeah, interesting points there. I I, I do think well, here's the thing with Shaq Barrett. I would be for a while there in the in the season. I was not sure he was going to be back. Hey, I wasn't sure he was productive enough and good enough to warrant being back. I, I think he is for sure. And the reality also is that there's just edge defenders don't hit the market super often. And, and the draft is not looking good at the, at the edge again. I mean, there's, there's some guys you might be able to draft somebody develop if you hit the right one, but it wasn't great last year. There wasn't a lot of depth and, and I don't know that it's going to be great this year either. So you're kind of looking at it. It's hurting a little bit at that spot. And I don't know that you're going to do better in a win now window uh, than the bucks will with him. And so it does become interesting. Now what's also, I don't know if you know this, Brad, but uh, Shaq Barrett's uh, wife, posted on instagram i believe it was something about him going to the jaguars like right before the super bowl it was very weird it was deleted almost immediately it was like a it was like one of these it was like a like thinking emoji on a jaguars decal or something like that he has been adamant from the regular season to right after the super bowl to like the parade today multiple times during interviews and he didn't even appear that inebriated to me but he was saying that like I'm going to be back. He told the crowd, you know, today he's like, I will be back. Like, I'm not leaving. We're winning another one. We're doing back to back. That's what we're doing to the point that, and, and you know, Bruce Arians has also said, we are not, he said it in the regular season, he said it after Super Bowl, he said it in the parade, like there's been like in a rare sense, like of being outspoken about a player's potential free agency, the Bucs and he have been really outspoken about it. That doesn't typically happen. So even though we're kind of like, how does this all work? You know, uh, you're right. Like, I think something like what you're describing is probably already in their minds and already in Shaq's mind. He is a different player. He is not the the typical makeup, I think, of, of a lot of players that are trying to get, you know, especially him. He's 28 and he hasn't really been paid yet. Um, mm -hmm. He knows this is his chance. A lot of guys would just be like, I'm hitting the market no matter what. I don't think that's his mindset. I really don't. He is about as sincere uh, a, a person as, as you'll talk to in, in sports media. So I really, 
enjoy that about him. I think we've got a good picture about where he's headed. So that's great insight. Okay, so Shaq Barrett could be something like seven mil for the first year. Like it could be something like that. And then you've worked your way up and kind of match it against probably other contracts down the road. So that's interesting. Okay, so let's say we've got 16 for for uh, Godwin and, and seven for Shaq this upcoming year. Okay, so now we've got five mil to work with, something like that. Let's go Rob Gronkowski next because Rob Gronkowski is a simple one. He's probably wants he wants to be back. He's already said that. He said that during the season. He's 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 not going to play anywhere than Tampa. So there's like no leverage here for Gronkowski. I don't think he cares about leverage at all. I just think he wants to play. I think he made. Correct me. Did he make eight mil or nine mil this past Almost, season? Uh, just under ten. And it's, it was actually just crazy. It was the last year of his 2012 extension from New England. Right. Right. That's right. So. He is free agent, obviously. He doesn't have a desire to go anywhere else, and he doesn't want to retire. He said that. So it's Tampa Bay or bust for him. What's realistic for Rob Gronkowski? Obviously, no tag or anything like that's on the table, I don't think. But what's realistic for him, and what do you see the two sides kind of coming to? Yeah, so I really think because they were willing to, you know, execute that trade and which, you know, they gave a fourth round pick, which is not nothing for a a formerly retired player that kind of, you know, the Patriots in in theory had no leverage there either. I mean, I guess they did in that they could just not, you know, go through with it. But and they were willing to pay him the full, you know, money he was owed. It was like it was like nine point eight million. So I could see him at this point. Even he kind of the way he speaks about himself, like he recognizes that he's he's lost a step a bit. Um, I mean, again, of course, he had two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Like he, you know, he, he's he's productive at times. And, and yeah, super still, productive season still for a guy who's yeah. in injury history. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But I, I think finally now it'll be a time where he he's like, you know, I'll take like three million just because I want to come here and have fun. I mean, he always talks about how he's never even spent a dime of the money he's made from football, anyways. So, yeah. you know, for him, it's just a bigger branding opportunity, just more time to party in Florida. I, you know, I think he'll take a pretty cheap deal. You sound like you've got Gronk pegged pretty well, Brad. <laughs> Good character assessment as well as financial assessment. All right. I mean, if Gronk could be three million, that's awesome. I mean, I think, you know, I've heard four, four and a half mil floated around. If it- it could be three. That's great. I mean, I think that they've done. And and what's the deal with incentives? So because somebody like Gronk could easily be an incentive contract, right? Like he's older. There's lots of production going to be spread around. So if you hit certain marks, snap counts, or we get to the Super Bowl again, like could they build bonuses? Is and man, is how does that work along with in conjunction with the cap? Yes, they definitely could. And that's always been a part of his um, contracts last couple of years is they've been pretty incentive laden. So, yeah, they would put in snap count and then probably some some reception, some yard stuff. And then, yeah, like how how far you advance in the playoffs. Um, So, yeah, the base value could maybe be three, three and a half million. And then you could have a million to a million and a half of incentives, um, which those incentives that they're not likely to be earned. Again, we don't need to go into the full kind of jargon there but basically they would they would make it so it wouldn't hit until 2022 um and quickly you mentioned that they have 17 guys under contract in 2022 which is the least in the nfl and they have Mm. like 160 you know with our projected number of 225 i think they have like 160 million in cap space so the future future money is 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 not an issue and they can pull from that fund so to speak um because they really have like nothing on the books Right. So that, that's a good point because that's helpful for fans to understand. I think when we talk about fitting all these contracts in, it's not just about, I mean, it's just, it's about fitting them in for next year and then you can pay them more. You can increase it. Basically you can build deals out to, to blow up kind of in those second and third seasons when you have all this available space, like Brad's talking about. So that's why it's important to remember when I was telling you guys all off season, like, I know you're looking at this $20 million cap number and you're saying like, how do we bring back all these guys? But it is a lot there's a lot more wiggle room than that. If you think about how, how they're going to actually structure the contracts, somebody like Godwin, it might be, if they're tagging might be all immediate hit, 
but other guys you can build this out. We are going to get to Levante David. I know people are asking about him already. Some people think it's going to be five mil for Gronk. I see y'all in the comments uh, trying to be cap experts as well, but uh, it's uh, it's good that we have Brad on the show to, to enlighten us here a little bit. It is hard to tell these things sometimes, especially a Gronk, a guy who's been literally not do, not doing much, retired, injured, and then retired, and then back and producing. But it's like, oh, there's a million dudes here, and he has no, you know, not many guys come back in that situation and don't win produce even the way he produced this season like 600 some yards seven touchdowns a couple touchdowns in the pose in the super bowl and it's like there's no leverage like if gronk were to hit the market am i right brad he would get more money than three million hundred percent yeah that was that wasn't me saying what his value is that's me basically just being like they would try to approach him and say look if you're trying to run it back or i know i know bruce said we're not saying that so if you're trying to go for two then uh (laughs) then yeah like then you you need to take a little bit of a discount and and yeah we'll get some incentives in there to get the, the value back to five or six um, yeah, that's just me guessing what they're going to try to you know right. go about. Right, that's a super important distinction for fans to understand. It's not saying Gronk could get couldn't get more, but you have to understand Gronk doesn't have leverage in this situation. This isn't real, given the way that he's presented it. Basically, he he doesn't he's not trying to play them for free agency, and they know it. And so there is going to be he has to accept the fact that with that comes probably a little bit of a lower offer and incentives, and he's probably going to take it because he doesn't want to be anywhere else. So it's just part of the deal with trying to make it work for everybody else. He could definitely make more on the open market, but that's really just not in the context of the discussion uh, right now. Okay. Before we get to Levante David, I do want to say that the winners of the Celsius subscribe and save event that we have been running for, uh, for the past, what week and a half leading up to the Super Bowl are Todd Taylor and Tim Harrison. I don't know if they're listening on the pod tonight. If you are, give a shout out, um, but uh, make sure we get in touch with y'all and make sure y'all end up Hooked up with your 96 cans of Celsius three-month supply. Going to be fun, fun, fun for y'all. I'm telling you, this Celsius stuff, really, really uh, good. Brad, I want to take a question before we jump into Levante David here really quick. Uh, before I do that, though, actually, I do want to mention Locker Room. It's a new app, a new app that you can get that is changing the way that we talk about sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams that you care about. You can react to sports news as it happens, gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games, rep your favorite teams, and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation. Some good stuff with Locker Room. We've been doing those shows. We did it before all the playoff games, halftime of all the playoff games. Some great discussions. I had one the other night. We talked about the All-22 tape from the Super Bowl and broke down a bunch of stuff. bunch of fans jumped in there with thoughts and comments. Some of them break down tape too, and – it was really good conversation. So if you get the locker room app, I think Pewter Report just hit 100 followers on the brand spanking new locker room app that exists. So we appreciate you all downloading that and following Pewter Report. Make sure you check that out. It's really, really good stuff with locker room. All right, we got a good question, Brad, from Chase. Bucks fans, you know, we're always got one eye out on the Saints just trying to figure out what what's going on with the Saints and you know how much they can chase the Bucs this season. I think everybody kind of is going into this year expecting the Bucs to win that division, but that's a new expectation for Bucs fans uh, as our Super Bowl expectations. So there's still kind of a preoccupation with what's going on with the Saints. How screwed are the Saints with cap space, Brad? Realistically, uh, of their free agents, uh, I know they don't have a million, maybe a ton of free agents, but just given where they are with the cap and what the cap's expected to be with 180 mil, is it are, are they going to have to make significant amount of moves to get under the cap, or is there a way that they can dance around this thing again and stay alive in this playoff competition? No, so it's different than it's been in years past. Like I know Saints fans, whenever I talk about this, they are always like, "We've been hearing this for a decade, and every mm-hmm. offseason, Mickey Loomis they works his magic, and, and the Saints are fine." 
if the cap went up like it was supposed to, as it has every other year, they probably may have been right in that in that assessment. But you know, it's it's, it's about thirty million less than what they probably were th- thinking it was going to be. I mean, look, they're about seventy five million dollars over the cap right now. After Breeze helped them out with a big, um, he cleared about twenty four million off the cap with his uh, recent restructure that he did. But no, they're going to have to. Um, the cuts may not be severe, probably like guys like Malcolm Brown, Nick Easton, not huge cuts, but they're going to have to restructure Cam Jordan, who's a great player, but he's, I think, 31 years old, and push. It'll be about $30 million in prorated money in the future on a guy that may only play you know, two more years, maybe three more years. Going to restructure Michael Thomas probably. Um, going to have to extend Ryan Ramchick, maybe even have to extend Marshawn Lattimore just for cap purposes, like do all these moves that – I mean, yeah, they're not; those are good players, sure. But like, do all these things just to be cap compliant? Um, and then you mentioned their free agents. Like, I, I think it's. They, I mean, there's two that stick out: is Marcus Williams at safety mm-hmm. and, and Trey Hendrickson at edge. And I, right. I don't see how they retain either player. Um, Hendrickson probably could have been cheaper, but and and you know, this is like a classic PFF thing. Like his pressure numbers were kind of the same this year as they've always been, yeah. maybe a little bit better. But but that 13 and a half sack number. When you hit free agency and you're tied with Aaron Donald with sacks, like it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> right. right. So, yeah, exactly. And and the big thing is, end of the day, is I don't see them competing for a quarterback. But like Jameis is their guy. Like like, and I guess you know, Bucks fans are very familiar with him. Like I I don't see how they compete with a, to to get any other quarterback besides Jameis and and some fun Taysom gadget plays. So it kind of rides or dies with, with you know what what Sean Payton can can get out of those guys. Right. Yeah. Interesting stuff. We're talking with Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus, and he does work with Over the Cap as well, uh, assessing cap. Over the Cap, the best cap analysis site out there. So if you are reading experts from other places and you are like, man, I don't understand this pricing that's being talked about on this podcast compared to like what I've read other places, the vast majority of people do not know what they're talking about when it comes to the cap. I cannot emphasize this enough. If you are seeing it and hearing it from other people, there are very few people that I would suggest to follow and to listen to about the cap. There's a reason why I do not come on and talk about the cap. I don't do it. I It's not my thing at all. And that's why I'm so grateful to have people like Brad and what Jason's over there, right, Brad, working with you. And, and you guys have a podcast too, right? He does, yeah. So Jason Fitzgerald's okay. the, like the godfather. Yeah, and the, I mean, NFL teams use the website, so that's the best endorsement right. I could give you. <laughs> right, exactly right. This is These are guys are the for real deal. I had Brad on for a reason because this is the for real deal stuff that he's talking about here. And Jason knows that stuff as well. If you follow him, Jason underscore OTC, I think something like that on Twitter. Um, And so over the cap, man, what these guys are talking about, they study this stuff. Teams use it. This is legit what were he's telling you on the show so make sure you're paying attention and, and then you compare other people to them as a standard that's the way to do it in my opinion i know cap stuff is tough to figure out as fans and to think through this is the most helpful way that i can suggest to do it is by listening to people like brad and jason um and, and a couple other people maybe that i go to in crunch time for that kind of stuff but it really is important to be able to understand it that way okay we got to talk about levante david this is the one i mean awesome awesome player bucks long i mean obviously career long buck nine seasons uh he's missed seven games in that time none since 2018 he is 31 years old he does not play a premium position today's nfl and i know there's not a million great linebackers though he's hitting the market at 31 years old i am going to throw kind of a a sideways question at you brad and i'm sorry if this puts you on the spot a little bit and you don't think of it that's okay but i'm just wondering what the track record is for 31-year-old linebackers that hit the market. Obviously, David is is very good player, uh, probably better than most 31-year-olds hitting the market. I can think back, and I'm, I'm sure you're more familiar, but can you think of players that have been in this age range with 
so maybe somebody that was close to David in terms of how good he is um, that hit the, the the market and what kind of can we expect to be realistic? No, like you said, so not only is it not necessarily considered a premium position, but generally the way we we've kind of realized the drop off with age, the further you play from the ball tends to the drop off tends to fall faster, right? Like if you're playing in space and you need to have speed and things like that, like it's generally like if you're a corner or, you know, um, you know, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna hit you pretty quickly. So there really isn't a ton of precedent. I mean, again, for, you know, talking to saints all day long, but like Demario Davis just signed a nice little extension. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, solid will linebacker, more of a pass rusher and plays a little bit more forward, not as great in coverage, still a good coverage player. Um, but no, it's there's not a lot of precedent there, and and frankly, like he is still playing at a really high level. Um, you know, has been for a long time, like you said, that, that seven games missed, and that, it's crazy for for an off ball yeah. linebacker. Um, but I mean, look, like sticking with our NFC South trend, like Luke Keekley just retired, and he's not he's younger than Levante David. So yeah. we've <laughs> seen tons of linebackers, Patrick Willis, right. Navarro Bowman. We've seen a lot of linebackers retire and not play it that long, and so. It, I mean, it's possible David only plays like two more seasons. I know it's hard for Bucks fans to imagine because he, he's still so good, but a lot of these guys have been good when they've walked away. And if they win another ring or they, you know, Tom Brady runs his course there and they're kind of not rebuilding, but resetting a little bit, maybe it makes sense for him to walk away. And given that, and given that he may know that and have that in his mind, okay, one, two more years, max three more years. Do you think that plays a, a role in all of this as he thinks about it? Because I think we're obviously looking where we're at with the cap right now based on the moves we've kind of made. There's not a ton of money left on the cap for Levante David. You obviously can structure it in different ways and stuff. But Levante David, I, I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but he's going to have to forego what he would get probably more money from other teams if he wants to come back, right? He's the guy that I don't know how you could match what another team may give him. Just because another team may have the space to throw some crazy at him, and if he wanted to leave, he could probably take it. Is that kind of the situation as you see it? How do you see it? Yeah, I see it the same way. I do. I think that he could hit the market and, and a team would convince themselves like we could squeeze two more really good years out of this guy um, because it's not a premier position. You know, you're not paying compared to other positions a ton. Um, yeah, so I, I have a, I have a three-year deal. But in general, like when you do these deals, like the, the year it is, you take one off and that's where all yeah. the guarantees come off anyway. So a three-year deal is really like a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, look, on the open market, I think he could get like a three-year $40 million deal for like 13 and a third per year, which which is a good chunk of money at, at inside linebacker. Maybe with the Bucks, he, he settles in around three years, $35 million, you know, 11, 11 plus a year. Um, but again, you're, you're, you're getting most of the money in the first two years. Um, you know, most of the guarantees are, if not all the guarantees in the first two years, um, and, and you're going to backload it a bit. So in, in reality, it might be like a two-year, $20 million contract mm-hmm. in reality. Um, that, that, that's kind of what I'm looking at. And, and look, he's been there forever. Um, and like you said, there, there's been a lot of seasons where they haven't been super successful. So and Now they are. So. <laughs> right. So, uh, I, you know, again, maybe that's not what he thinks, but I, I would guess that he would say, oh, look, I'll take a little bit less, uh, make sure the guarantees are strong, so I'm, I'm for sure here for two years. Um, you know, they can't move on after a season if they want to and, and you know, make Devin White the heir apparent and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think he'll, he'll be willing to take a little bit of a pay cut because I'm sure it's a, a lot of fun to play in, you know, January and February. Yeah, it is. And, you know, he's just been through so many, he wasn't even to the playoffs for his first eight seasons. And now with the chance to repeat, it really seemed like it would be crazy for him to walk away, given how much he's wanted this. And he's never complained. He's been paid now, you know, I mean, he's, he's already gone through that kind of where he's been paid. So it's not like he's Shaq Barrett looking for that first payday and, you know, you, I think he's going to be back, but he's the one, and I've said this kind of all along to Bucks fans, I, I think that 
you're probably if Levante David wanted to leave, the market would be there for him to leave. It's not like he has no leverage like Gronk or they keep him no matter what, like Shaq or Godwin. I think he's the one that they're going to need him to help to work with them a little bit if he wants to come back. And and obviously they'll reward him by hopefully winning games and and adding to his resume, which he I'm sure he still holds out hope for some consideration for the Hall of Fame, even though the Pro Bowl snubbed him for forever. You know, that's maybe something that is in his mind too. So we'll see. It is an interesting uh, kind of – and good uh, good on you to address the length of the deal too. That's important with a situation like his at 31 years old. Um, okay, so now we've looked at kind of the big-name free agents. Uh, we do have some questions here I want to get to again really quickly, and then we'll move on to A.B. and, and wrap up with those other guys. Um, somebody asked uh, – we can – here we go. We have the cap expert here. Can we just ask him, can Brad tell us what Mike Evans' cap hit is for 2021 right now? And I would assume they're they're implying like what kind of flexibility does Mike Evans maybe have? Because Mike Evans has been adamant. But he's been adamant. I mean, he's restructured like three times in his career for other players and people. Um, but also he's been adamant, according to Bruce Arians, that he's gone to Arians and said, hey, I'll restructure you, take some of my money to keep Chris Godwin here because I want to play with Chris Godwin forever. And then I think he said it about keeping anybody most more recently. So what's the situation with Evans and what can they do with his contract if need be? Yeah. So I want to say his cap hit for 2021 is about 16 and a half million. Um, and about four and a half of that is that prorated money we talked about. Because like you've said, he most recently restructured, I think in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. And look, that's just not something they do. Like his original extension, um, you know, he had the big roster bonus in the first year. There was no signing bonus. Um, it was a five years, 82 and a half million. So, so yeah, it's about 16 and a half million and, and 12 of that is, is flexible it is money that they could further restructure. Um, if they wanted to, which we can get into, I, I think they would probably look to other players cause they already have, like I said, it's about four and a half million dollar cap hit over the next what three or four years. He's still under contract, mm-hmm. um, that already has that prorated money. Um, but yeah, they could definitely go to him and, and, and use him as another guy to restructure. Um, I'll be honest though. That's not necessarily like if he truly is offering to like take less or do something like to help other guys, that wouldn't be a restructure because from a cash perspective, Evans would get the money the same. He'd actually get it up front. So it's like better for him. He may have been offering like (laughs) truly like, I don't know, chop two or three million off of his salary or something like that um, to help fit a Gronk or, or, you know, or or an AB or something like that. Um, That's a a little bit of different conversation. But yeah, there's some flexibility there. Okay, cool. That's good. That's good stuff to know for sure. All right. So Antonio Brown, I mean, Antonio Brown, this is probably your hardest player, I would guess, the whole offseason to try and project. Like, what do you say? Obviously, an elite talent still. He still produced, you know, fine when he was in Tampa Bay. His tape looked great. I mean, he still got open all the time. It was just a matter of him really learning the offense. I mean, he could easily, there were several many plays where he ran the wrong route down the field, but he was wide open over the, when he first got there, like the first four or five games, it was like, he could have been hundred yard. I mean, it's, you know, the talent is still clearly there in my opinion. And obviously he feels the need, but what can they even do? I mean, what is his market even going to be? There's off the field stuff to consider with him. I think he's got some legal, some, some forward hearings and stuff like that uh, that'll go on this off season. Is it just totally impossible, Brad, to project what Antonio Brown's going to be this off season? Right. So when you're looking at a guy where football is not the biggest variable or the biggest component, it it obviously changes the calculation. I mean, the funny thing with him, though, is that unlike Gronk, like there were teams, what, Seattle and Baltimore, maybe others, but those off the top of my head that had legitimate interest in maybe bringing him in. So, so like, you know, and those two teams are obviously both competitive teams as well. Um, You know, they're not looking to repeat as Super Bowl champions. So and he's been pretty clear that he, he at this stage in his career, he's made his money. Um, he's more interested in competing and and doing what y'all just did last week. So, again, I think the thing with him is, 
the total value may not matter because the guarantees are going to be mighty low because no team, any team, Bucks or otherwise, is going to guarantee much money to this guy at this point just because, unfortunately, you don't really know what to expect there. Um, I wrote down the sheet like another, a one-year $5 million deal. Maybe I'll get some more ch- chirping in, in the comments. But it's, it's not about his value. He's still graded very highly. Um, like you said, on, on tape, he still looked like the same player he had been, um, which is crazy, what, 33 and with a, a full season off from football. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's just, again, a situation where it's just, you know, what team is willing to, you know, frankly deal with with all that comes with Antonio Brown. Right. You almost wonder if it's worth it for the Bucks, right? I mean, I know we move into some football evaluation here, but Evans, Godwin, Miller, Johnson, Tyler Johnson's here. You know, they can draft somebody if they need to or sign somebody. You know, Jaden Mickens has played and been pretty good. I mean, they're talking about the fifth wide receiver at that point. Scotty's, I mean, Scotty was their leading receiver at midseason. I know Evans wasn't 100% and Godwin missed a couple games, but Scotty was lighting it up. I mean, four of the first seven games of the season, Scotty had over 73 yards receiving. And so, I mean, I'm just like, given the fact that the Bucs are probably going to be tight anyway, and Antonio Brown's baggage, the fact that they're already loaded at wide receiver, I feel like it was kind of a luxury for this season, helped them and did help them certainly. But is it really worth it to 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 give Antonio Brown anything when the, when there's going to be some type, if there's some type of competitive market out there? I mean, even less than the money aspect, like Tyler Johnson, you mentioned, I mean, he made one of the catches of the playoffs in that Saints game, just laying out like right. at a certain point. Yeah, they practice a ton. So maybe this is kind of a layman's take. But like you want to get that guy game reps. I mean, you, you can speak more to that. But like you want to get this guy playing. I mean, he's a really good player um, coming out of Minnesota. I think folks thought he would go even higher than he did. Um, yeah. And like you said, that, that wide receiver class was stacked. So like fifth round is maybe even a bit of a misconception there. Um, I think while you have Tom Brady on the roster, which maybe you know could only be one more year, you probably want to Tyler Johnson getting 50, 60 targets as that third wide receiver, I guess fourth behind Scotty, mm-hmm. obviously very different roles there. But right. so yeah, I even from that perspective, maybe not. But look, I mean, if he's willing to take like, you know, what do he take? Two, three million this year? If he does that again, I mean, I guess why not? Right. That's true. Yeah. And you're right. The guaranteed money's not going to be significant either so that's something to consider too interesting uh a b situation is the one i don't know but i feel feel pretty good about the top four guys we've talked about being back but i don't know beyond that um and dominican sue oh this probably one probably won't take very long i'm guessing if we're on the same page i feel like in dominican sue um situation uh is basically if he wants to play again he'll play in tampa bay and it probably won't be for a ton of money and if he wants to retire he's got, he just got married he's got twins in the way um you know I just don't know if he wants to keep playing. Um, I, I mean, maybe he does, but he could go out on top with a ring, and you know that's something he obviously never gotten before. And so, I just wonder if it's it for Sue. But if it is, and is it hard to see? I know he's kind of played the field before and gotten the most money out of situations, but it feels like that might not be super on the table for him. At thirty, was he thirty-four years old at this point? Yeah, I think he's thirty-four now, and he definitely finally we're finally seeing a little bit of a dip in his play. And mm-hmm. look, like again, we talked about whoever we talked about, like are the Bucks, like he was on the Lions, which is, which is even worse. So I think just getting to compete, getting this ring, like I, I imagine he, he's looking to retire, um, go out on top. Um, like you said, he made, I mean, with the Dol- his Dolphins contract was like almost 20 million a year back when that was like, not even in the conversation for, you know, defensive linemen. So he, like, like you said, if he wants to play, he will, but look, he made $8 million this year. So it's not like he was super cheap. Um, you know, his services, he knows the value of his services very well. So yeah. I think he'll probably move on, and I agree that it's probably bucks or bust. Um, and I, my guess is that he just rides off in the sunset with a ring. Right. Yeah, that'd be my guess as well. So we'll see what ends up happening with him. He is an interesting cat for sure. I really enjoy talking to him. He's clearly got a lot going on outside of football too, financially, which makes 
even more interesting for him to get maybe move on. Leonard Fournette's a guy everybody wants to know about. He kind of resurrected things. He obviously came to the Bucs for super cheap. I mean, he really wasn't that great during the season, to be honest. But playoff, you know, playoff, he definitely made an impression. He played his best ball there. That matters to teams. We know that. You know, whether it makes sense or not to, to, to not consider the larger sample size uh, playoffs, that kind of performance will stand out to teams. What do you see his market being? And, and do you think probably pretty unlikely he comes back to the Bucs given Ronald Jones and, and the fact they've Kashawn Vaughn there and probably looking for somebody else at the position too? Yeah, I, I agree with you. He, he didn't have a great year. And I think especially, you know, dealing with the drops and stuff like that in, in the passing game, as we've seen like teams – sort of more and more really relying on that from their running back. So they want that safety valve in their running back position. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, he should have a, something of a market because, I mean, Aaron Jones is the top guy in the market, and I'm, I'm fairly confident he'll get franchise tagged. So, I mean, he'd be, he'd be competing with, like, James Conner, um, Chris Carson. That, that would be, like, the top three guys in the market. So maybe he could get some team that, you know, is desperate for a guy that, you know, you can lean on. He, he's a bell cow. Like, you can lean on him for a lot of snaps. Um, you know, a lot of carries. Yeah, I, I would imagine that he probably tries to cash back in again. Obviously, fourth overall pick, he had a nice rookie deal. Um, but again, like he, he didn't even finish that contract and, and could maybe get a nice, yeah, I, I, off the top of my head, I don't even know, but, you know, three years, 15 million or something like that, or, or just a, a nice little deal that, that again, puts, puts some, you know, cash in the pocket and, and, and kind of gets his career back on track, um, you know, elsewhere now that he's kind of won and shown that he prioritizes winning and, and, and mm -hmm. bought into a system. And, mm -hmm. and it was probably more the Jags fault than his fault that things didn't go particularly well. Um, I, I think that'll probably be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Good points. Yeah. That, that matters too to teams. And ultimately I just, I mean, we're talking about a team that's probably going to be working to get everybody in that they want in for this season. And when that's the case, I know fans, I see them in the comments, you got, you want to keep Fournette, you have to keep Fournette. I mean, come on, guys. Y'all can't really look at this box offense and say they have to have Leonard Fournette to be successful. <laughs> I mean, it's just like I'm not saying Leonard Fournette's even a bad player. You just don't have to have Leonard Fournette for this group to work. You can replace what he does. You know, Ronald Jones is a better pure runner. There are tons of guys who are better pure receivers, and he blew pass protection assignments all the time. You know, it's just not that hard to replace him. I know the recency bias is hard to move past, and he did have some nice runs in the playoffs, and I will give him credit for that. But the larger sample size of Leonard Fournette's career suggests you don't want to be paying this guy three years, 15 mil when you're trying to fit everybody else in under the cap that you want back. You know, it's just not realistic that everybody could be back for real, you know, at their top price that they're going to get on the market. And so you've got to cut at some place. And Fournette is kind of the obvious cut, in my opinion, like out of this group uh, that you want back. We do need a third down back. You're right about that, Nass. There's no doubt they need a third down back. That's what the draft is for. That's what free agency is for. Other guys can be available to James White. He's older than, than Leonard Fournette. I'm not suggesting James White. I don't know what James White even has left in the tank or if he's even going to keep playing. I don't know what he's going to do. But I'm just saying that there are guys you can find uh, that aren't at the top tier of free agents, like Brad's talking about the Chris Carson, Aaron Jones types, James Conner types uh, that could fill that role. Or you draft somebody. They don't have a lot of needs, and, and you can draft a running back cheap. And you can find one in any round of the playoffs or any round of the draft to, to make an impact for you, really, if you assess the position well. Um, and so that's where I think it could be the route for them. OK, so last thing, Brad, I wanted to touch on really quickly then. I think we got to all the major free agents. Oh, Ryan Suckup. He's back, right? You can't let that kicker go after the season he had, right? Uh, yeah, they, they could try to make it work, but I mean, like he was a street free agent before this season, wasn't he? So, yeah. like, if you look at it from that perspective, I don't know. I, I'm probably 
my my analysis of kickers and punters and whether you should pay them is is probably not is basically never. So unless, not unless basically just, never. Unless they're Justin Tucker, I would say just just take the cheapest guy in the market because it worked. Look, it worked the last off season. So I, you know he was good all year. He was good all year. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's <laughs> I don't been even, so don't hard for the Bucks to find a kicker, Brad. Ordinarily, I would totally agree with you. It's been so oh, hard for them to find oh. a kicker that I I don't know if that carries weight because remember they traded up for Roberto Aguilar. Bio. They had a million kickers before that fail. Uh, they had uh, uh, um, what's but his face, Matt Gay, who now yeah. is great for the Rams, and uh, he was struggling for them, and he blew a couple games at the end of the year. And so to have somebody that every time you lined up, I mean, just nailed it all, like Ryan Suckup. I mean, his only misses were blocks in the, in the Lions game that didn't even matter. He can't kick it forward field for whatever reason. But <laughs> you know that that's uh, I don't know. It's going to be hard. For, I hear what you're saying, though. I know you know you don't want to pay them. Typically, you're right, but. Man, it, it is hard when you have struggled at that position and he's solidified things the way he has. So, uh, yeah, I'll see what happens with Ryan Suckup. Interesting things to think about for sure. Okay, so are there other players, if they wanted to re- to move around some money for people, you know, if, at some point in the season we were talking about the potential possibility because of Donovan Smith's contract and because of Ryan Jensen's contract there is not a ton of – I don't think there's any guaranteed money from remembering right for both those guys left on the table right now. And so what happens with those guys? Do you extend them and spread out some money and do some dancing like that and ease up their hits for this season but give them more long-term security? Is that possible or even likely with two guys like that given where their contracts sit right now? You're already paying Ali Marpet a lot of money. You don't necessarily want to be doing that with three offensive linemen, especially when you're going to have to eventually pay Tristan Wirf. So how does that all work with Ryan Jensen and Donovan Smith? They are both coming off really good seasons, um, so it's kind of something that you have to evaluate too, and you don't want to replace Brady's whole offensive line in a win-now window. So what do you see happen with those guys given their contracts right now? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously Tristan Wirfs, if he keeps playing at this level, he might even end up resetting the right tackle market by the time he comes, you know, for a new contract. But because you have, you know, two more years and maybe three more years of that rookie deal of his, um, you know, with with lower cap hits, you can pay Smith and Jensen to where, again, like for the next two years, they'd be making money and would have some guarantees. And then if you feel the need to maybe move on from one or both of those guys, because worth money is then going to come in, I, I think that is possible. I, I think you sent over, um, you know, could you restructure those guys? But because it's the last year of their deal, you can't, right? Because there's no years to push that money into. Um, and there's a thing called void years that, that again, Saints fans are familiar with. Um, the Bucks don't do it. But where they're fake contract years, they're just dummy placeholder years that just hold money. Um, but you actually, so you're allowed to automatically do, do a restructure. Um, most contracts have automatic conversion rights where, you know, the traditional restructure we talked about, you're allowed to do that does not include adding void years. They would have to go to Donovan Smith or Ryan Jensen and say, Hey, we're signing a new contract where we're giving you no new money. All we're doing is pushing cap down the line. And they would say, no, thank you. So, uh, presumably, um, so yeah, you would have to look to extend one or both of those guys. Um, Donovan yeah, I mean, make, I, makes sense to extend, right? He, I mean, he's playing his best ball that he played this past season, but probably not good enough ball to like want to hit the market right away, you know. So maybe yeah. you can. Work yeah, I agree. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so that could be a possibility for them in a way to to open up some more cap space this season. Do you see other avenues looking at contracts right now in the roster, like if they wanted to move some things around again? I know they they haven't typically. I don't think been a team that kicks the can down the road a ton, but they also haven't been in a window like this either. So it might change some of your tendencies when you're in this type of situation. 
Yeah, no, they absolutely have to go against the grain. No, I can't stress enough. Like, they've kicked the can less than any team in the NFL by, like, a significant margin. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Ali Marpet, as you mentioned, I think they're going to probably restructure Ali Marpet. If they do, like, a max restructure of, you know, all the base salary and push it down the line, they can clear about $6 million there, um, which is, you know, a good chunk of cash. I know we were getting tight on the cap with the, those extensions, but that clears up a good chunk there. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, if, like, if you extend Smith and Jensen – um, you could clear, you know, upwards of $10 million if you gave Smith basically like a minimum, um, you know, minimum base salary with, you know, a big bonus again and, and push it down the line and around five, six again for Jensen. So right there, we just cleared up $20 million. Hmm. Um, and then, I, I mean, I think you look to, I, I want to say they already approached Cam Brate for a pay cut before this season. They did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so maybe do that, do that again and say, hey, do you, you want to run it back with us? Um, you might have to do it again. Um, and maybe the same thing with the Will Golston as well. You know, I had a great year, but again, so maybe, you know, we maybe can't fit your full money on the books. Um, we have, oh, I guess Nina Roaches is, is a free agent now, but obviously, you know, maybe say you might have to take a little bit less if you want to stick around. Um, so th- those moves like that. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's Cam Wright situation makes me laugh because, like, here's a guy who was, you know, playing pretty decent ball and he, and the, all right, it was like we're drafting OJ Howard and then you're kind of moving your window and the production just, plummeted and Arians came in and that first year he didn't do anything and then it was kind of like all right you want to take a cap hit and I thought he'd get traded in the season then OJ Howard got hurt and was like all right well I still don't know how much Bruce Arians is going to use a second tight end who can't block and then Cam Bray comes in and he's producing and he's one of Brady's favorite targets and now it's like man I went from thinking for sure he was going in his last year with the Bucks, and then he took the pay cut and he stayed and now it's like man I wonder if this guy would take another pay cut I just don't know if he cares I mean Harvard grad, this dude's gonna make bank no matter what he does after. <laughs> and so he, I mean, when I tell you he loves Tampa, Brad, this guy loves Tampa. So I just don't know. I we'll we'll see what happens with him, obviously. But he'd be a tight end three here. I mean, and he could be a starter somewhere else. I mean, he's that good. He, he's not. He can't block very well. But we are talking about a guy who could be a starter and run wide receiver type routes and be a, a good, solid, productive starter. I mean, in the NFL that's a position where somebody would pay for that. I really think, especially the character team guy like Braid. So it's his, I mean, I really think he can make a lot more money somewhere else, but I just don't know how much he cares. He loves Tampa a lot. So I know typically we're, we're naive when we think players want to stay, but like Levante and Shaq, and we're all saying all these guys want to stay, but it's pretty rare to see a team that's been as vocal as these guys have about uh, wanting to stay and stuff. So we'll see obviously how all that shakes out. There's lots to consider. Brad, I cannot tell you how insightful this was, man. It was so good to be able to kind of think through some of this and see it can work, right? Like the Bucs can bring back their guys. They may have to do some things they haven't done in recent years, but they're obviously in a window where that makes sense for them, and they can still do it without killing themselves down the road. So, you know, there's a there's a real strong possibility that they retain most of these guys that really matter, right, and they're able to run this back with pretty much the same group. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, at the same time that you want to generally be frugal and all that, it's also, like, it's foolish to not attack a window when you obviously have it. So, like, what's the point of bringing in Brady and doing all this if you're not going to, you know, go against your trends and and kind of do things that are unorthodox for you? That's kind of the whole point. So, yeah, I think they will, um, and they should. Right. Okay, so you're the expert. Last two things that I'll ask you. Do you think Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, at least those four are back with the Bucks? I do. You think all of them are back. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about Antonio Brown? If he takes like near minimum deal, then yeah. 
Okay, so we'll see. I don't think he will. So that's, I think he won't be back because of that. Fournette, we think he's probably gone and we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Ryan Fournette Sucker. will be back. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to, see, have to see what happens with Ryan Suckup. Okay, so you heard it from the expert. Uh, I've been telling you this, but I think that now, now you've heard it from And Brad and I did not collude beforehand. I did not know what he was going to say. So he's not just backing me up on this. He really thinks it as well. And and I think the Bucks are going to find a way to make it happen. That's why all sides have been pretty confident about it. You don't see that very often. Unless it's pretty likely to happen. And look, the Bucs said it last year. They brought back Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Dom Kinsu. It's exactly what they said they were going to do. They went out and they did exactly what they said they were going to do uh, when the free agent market opened up. So it's interesting stuff. Last thing I'll ask you, Brad, you don't have to make it a long answer. I know we just talked about all those guys are back that you said. Let's pretend ABs hit the road and, and Fournette. Let's suck up too if you want whatever. Um, JJ Watt, is there any way? Oh, yeah. Uh Look, so, I mean, I know he wants out. Another guy that, I mean, he wants to go ring chasing. He wants to compete. Um, I had heard that he was trying to go to the Midwest, um, preferably the Packers, um, but also maybe Indy or Chicago. Uh, his wife plays for the Chicago, um, the, the the women's like uh, soccer team there, the professional team. Anyways, long story short, they could pull it off. I mean, I think he'll probably only garner like a fourth-round pick because um, he has a one-year, $17.5 million, you know, non-guaranteed base salary left. You'd probably add two two years onto that, maybe a third. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it's doable. Then a move like that, you're then talking about like, okay, they're probably moving on from Brayton Golston. Um, I mean, maybe even like shopping in OJ Howard. That's where you then start getting to, you know, more of the more of the moves that are, that are tough moves. But it's not it's not impossible, um, and I, I'm sure he'd be open to it. And they could cut him too, right? And then at that point, it's you know yeah. lobbing money at him. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. the Bucks, I mean, again, they can move. We just said they can move around a lot of money, and and they could probably open something up if they wanted to. He's will be thirty two in a month and a half, and so and he's had significant injury history. He's obviously still a really good player, but you know you're probably talking about a guy who's going to play with two more years, maybe maybe three more years. I mean, I, again, it's probably like a Levante-like situation, maybe even more of a concern because of his injury history. He plays a little more of a premium position, but. Yeah, there's a lot to consider with J.J. Watt, but, uh, man, he'd be a perfect player in Todd Bulls' defense. <laughs> that would be a perfect fit and definitely the cultural fit that they'd want as well. I mean, the type of guy that they have basically modeled their 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 type of person they've drafted after. So be interesting thought. It's one Bucks fans are going to be monitoring and thinking about because they really feel like everything, you know, if we got one more pass rusher in Tampa Bay, everything would be – if we brought everybody back and one more pass rusher landed in Tampa Bay – they would really be you know, an unstoppable group. And so uh, we'll see what happens. Really interesting stuff. Brad, thank you so much for the time. Can you tell the people where they can find you and where they can find your work? Yeah, thank you for having me on. This was great. Um, yeah, we didn't collude. That, that, was all, that was all original content, I promise. Um, yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad, as I have on my, uh, my thing right there. Um, I'm talking cap and contracts for the whole league, um, putting out original content. I should have an article about the franchise tag for, for every team and, and Chris Godwin's gonna be on there um coming out you know later this week. So yeah, that's where you can find me and, and yeah on pff.com. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Brad. Appreciate you coming on. Tomorrow, Jason Light joins the show. He is gonna tell us whether Brad is crazy or not about his <laughs> contract talk. No, he's gonna he's gonna offer some insight. Hopefully he's got I know he's got some stories for us. He's already said that. Um, he is going to be offering some insights on the free agents as well and on his scouting process too, especially in the secondary where he's kind of just totally rebuilt that spot for the Bucks and flooded the position with draft picks. His philosophy on building defensive line and the way that he built it and offensive line and the way that he built it and what he looks for there. So 
There is a lot to talk about with Jason Light tomorrow. We are going to cover a lot of ground. We are very, very excited. It'll be the first time he really speaks uh, to the media since um, since the Super Bowl. So not not a bad deal to make sure you're tuned in here. So spread the word. Tell your friends and family. Go to Pewter Report TV. Hit the subscribe button. Make sure you hit the bell for the notifications when we go live. We'll be on 7.30 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. We will ask Jason Light about AB as well. He's not going to be able to tell us as much as give us as much insight as Brad did, or he won't give us as much insight as Brad did, I'm sure, because he's going to hold his cards a little close to the chest. But we're going to ask him anyway and see what information we can get out of him. It's going to be a fun show. So 7.30 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Make sure you're tuned in for that. And as always, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out.